Hello, everyone. Welcome back. I'm Ishan Abraham, one of your hosts, and welcome to another episode of Objection, a Spotlight on Justice podcast. I'm Messiah. I'm Mariana. And today we'll be starting with um, police brutality. And police brutality is not a new concept. Throughout history, police brutality has been a terrorizing force. From the slave patrollers in 1704 all the way to the current day, police brutality is rooted in American history. And if police brutality is such a horrific thing, why does it occur? Well, police brutality often goes hand in hand with discrimination. In the 19th and 20th century, immigrants and poor people faced discriminatory policies and were subjected to all kinds of assaults by police, such as harassment or physical attack. Police brutality is defined as the excessive and often illegal use of force against civilians, which violate human and civil rights. And one perfect example of the police abusing their power was the Stonewall incident. On June 28, 1969, nine policemen entered Stonewall Inn, a gay bar, and harassed many of their patrons and eventually arrested anyone, according to the New York criminal statute, that did not wear at least three articles of gender-appropriate clothing. This single incident spurred a series of protests surrounding the discriminatory treatments of sexual minorities. Stonewall became a symbol of resistance within the community and radical groups such as the Gay Liberation Front, GLF, were formed in order to educate society about sexuality. The activism and resistance displayed in the Stonewall riots set into motion a series of non-discriminatory policies in the 1970s. Police brutality has been a constant throughout American history. However, just as we saw in the Stonewall riots, resistance and, activis and activism to modern ideas have, been, have had some success in thwarting discriminatory policy and police aggression. And now I'll let Messiah take it over as she has some important things to talk about. Yes, now I will talk about a case that happened last year, but on, on May 25th, and a man, a man named George Floyd, he was being detained for using a counterfeit $20 bill, which it, it went kind of crazy. And he was, he was being handcuffed and the officers had put him on the ground and an officer by the name of Derek Chauvin had knelt down on his neck for nine minutes and 29 seconds. Floyd had pleaded to the officers to get up off him, but they wasn't moving and eventually Floyd was losing breath, began losing breath. Do you think the situation could have been handled differently? Uh, I definitely could have, I definitely think so. They could have honestly just, just arrested him and put it in a car, but obviously things did not go like that. Of course, after the situation, Floyd did die and uh, the officers that were on the scene, they were convicted and one, one, four officers were fired actually. And the, the head officer, Derek Chauvin, was arrested and charged and convicted on April 20th of 2021, which mean, means it took a whole year to get him arrested and convicted. Do you think anything has changed since then? Has like 
have the protests really meant anything or is it kind of just stayed the same? Honestly, I think it has. Um, it has and it hasn't to me. Since there are other cases where, um, you know, people have died and the police officers that killed them were very convicted very faster and arrested. So I feel like there's a big change. Okay. Now, but actually, then, I don't know if you knew this, but so far in 2021, the daily rate of fatal encounters with the police, three per day, has not actually changed since that of last year around the time George Floyd was killed. And I kind of wonder if that means nothing has really happened or is stuff just still coming along slowly? Well, you know, you can't change how everyone thinks since, you know, some people are gonna think one thing and others gonna think another, you know, can't change everyone's thoughts, but still some people out there who will think, you know, like that. But I think, I think we're slowly changing in some people's minds. I agree. I think the change is going to be slow and to be real, it's never going to be able to fully like go away because police brutality is really, it's like people's beliefs and following stereotypes and things like that. So to change would take a really long time and like a huge movement. But I think it's have some progress so far. Do you think COVID has affected the progress or has it had made any tensions worse that were already there? Um, like maybe, but I can't, can't really say. I mean, I don't feel like COVID really has like a huge thing to do with it because like it's, it's been happening since way before COVID, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely can sense that even though police brutality has been such a long-standing issue, it feels like during COVID, just everyone has just been like, I don't know if it's everyone just together has felt kind of unease. And so I feel like that kind of, all of that kind of contributes to this general sense of like, maybe even like, unsafety a little so as tensions kind of are escalated I can I can see how a lot of police have been retaliating even a little and so that's kind of why I mean fatal encounters with the police are still so high um I'm kind of wondering if there's like anything we can do to like help the situation well There's a lot of things that we could do. You could start small or bigger. There's things like even just reposting something about police brutality or Black Lives Matter on Instagram or Facebook to something like um, donating or contributing to certain organizations. But there's a lot of ways that you could help. Yeah, I agree with you there, Mariana. Well, I feel like 
there's a lot to look forward to just because it kind of feels like we're in a situation where it can only get better, hopefully, kind of like with an asterisk, but I definitely think that um, police brutality is something that we can definitely overcome. I feel like it's one of those things that as long as kind of we the people in a way, we kind of step forward and really continue to push this, as long as we don't hold back, I feel like we can really make an impact just like just like in the Stonewall case where hundreds and thousands of um, rioters basically forced the political government to change their policy. I feel like, um, I think, feel like we can continue to do that. I think, are cases of police brutality well reported or no? I don't think I don't think they're well reported enough because I feel like um, in situations some information is left out and some information is left in. So, you know, I agree with what you said, and I think even in the example of George Floyd, the two other officers there they were just watching. They could have helped or told the other officer, "No, you shouldn't be doing this. This is not like." like just handcuff him and put him in the car, but they were just watching, they didn't even step in. So I think I agree. And I think not all cases are like reported or brought attention to. Yeah. That kind of reminds me of, I remember learning about how they, re or I don't know, recently, maybe this was a year ago, but they banned. And when you're a police, you have to learn how to be a police, obviously. And I knew that they, they had banned some form of training in their police school. But I learned that um, a lot of former policemen or policemen basically offered these courses of basically like, they bas the courses were basically banned because they were violent and they were excessive. And they recently came back up because policemen were offering these courses for free and they were teaching them to current police officers even though they weren't allowed. And I feel like this kind of, it's kind of like a toxic culture. I don't know if that kind of really impacts um, what's going on. But yeah, I feel like it definitely goes back to the point of kind of publicity and how this stuff needs to be published, but at the same time, it's like almost impossible, it feels like, to cover every single case, so. I mean, it kind of goes back to what Mariana was saying about even posting things on like Instagram on your story, even though it kind of feels small, I guess just bringing awareness is something that's so vital to actually creating change. Well, I think that's kind of all we have so far. Um, I think I want to thank everyone for listening. And again, I'm Ishan. I'm one of your hosts. And thank you for listening to Objection, a spotlight on Justice Podcast.
Hello, everyone, and welcome to Objection and Spotlight on Justice podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Ishan. And I'm Messiah. I'm Mariana. And today, our, and today we'll be talking about br- police brutality. Now, police brutality is not a new concept. Throughout history, police brutality has been ter- a terrorizing force. From the slave patrollers in 1704 all the way to the current day, police brutality is rooted in American history. And now, if police brutality is such a horrific thing, why does it occur, you may ask? Well, police brutality often goes hand in hand with discrimination. In the 19th and 20th century, immigrants and poor people faced discriminatory policies and were subjected to all kinds of assault by police, such as harassment or physical attack. Police brutality is defined as the excessive and often illegal use of force against civilians that violate human and civil rights. One example of police abusing their power was the Stonewall incident. On June 28, 1969, nine policemen entered Stonewall Inn, a gay bar, and harassed many of their patrons and eventually arrested anyone, according to the New York criminal statute, that did not wear at least three articles of gender appropriate clothing. This single incident spurred a series of protests surrounding the discriminatory treatment of sexual minorities. Stonewall became a symbol of resistance within the community and radical groups such as the Gay Liberation Front, GLF, were formed in order to educate society about sexuality. The activism and resistance displayed in the Stonewall riots set into motion a series of non-discriminatory policies in the 1970s. Police brutality has been a constant throughout American history. However, just as we saw in the Stonewall riots, resistance and activism to modern ideas have had some success in thwarting discriminatory policy and police aggression. And now I'll pass it on to Messiah, who will speak more about this. Thank you, Sean. And now we'll talk about a situation that happened in 2020 on May 25th. A man by the name of George Floyd was being detained for using a a counterfeit $20 bill. When being detained, the officers had had their neck, their foot on their neck, on his neck, leaving him without breath for nine minutes and 20 some seconds. Do you think this situation could have been handled differently? I definitely think it could have since, you know, they could have got off of him, you know, put him in a, in a car and just lock the doors for something. They did, not, they did not have to put him on the ground or put their leg on his neck since he was already detained and not doing anything. Yeah, I was recently, um, when I'm looking at the George Floyd case, it feels quite similar to the one with Elijah McClain, where in a very similar fashion, um, police were called and a caller reported a suspicious person. And when the police officers arrived to the scene, three police officers, um, they, there was no, like, no illegal activities going on, yet the police officers still detained Elijah and put him into a similar chokehold position. And now it is reported that Elijah continuously told the police to stop, that he couldn't breathe, but the police showed no signs of stopping. And eventually it got to the point where the police had to take, had to basically call in a medical unit to basically try and save Elijah's life. However, in the medical unit, they applied what they thought was an 
where they injected what they thought was a therapeutic amount of ketamine. And on the way to the hospital, Elijah died, basically due to brain failure. And now, all of this is kind of, we all know this, this actually brings up an interesting point. We all know this now, but at the time of the crime that this actually took place, it took months and months for all this information to actually surface. Um, it took like three to four months for the body cam footage to even be available. And it brings up the interesting point that these crimes kind of happen and then it doesn't really come around. It takes a long time for these things to actually be held accountable for. And I mean, this is brought up even in the George Floyd case, it took like months and months for the killer to be convicted. And I'm kind of wondering that all these cases, they all kind of seem the same, but still nothing new is really changing with them. Right. I agree. And I think that how the information takes a while to come up, I think that adds on to why not so much change or not so many things happen. Because I feel like people, not forget about it, but kind of like the heat gets taken off of the situation. So as more information is slowly added, I feel like people aren't so angered about the situation. Do you think there's anything that we can do to help like, to help the situation? Well, there is a lot of things that we could do. We can just simply sharing a post on Instagram or Facebook, something as small as that, it could really help to inform more people. And also there are a lot of websites where you could get more information, learn more or um, support like donating to, for example, Black Lives Matter movement. But yeah, there are a lot of ways that you can help small and big. Okay. One recent, one interesting piece of information that I learned was that actually after the, um, after the George, after George Floyd's murder, there was a, a series of protests and the direct like cause and direct change of this was actually the amount of states that banned and restricted chokeholds and carotid holds actually more than doubled. So I feel like this is definitely a step in the right direction. And similar, and it wasn't just chokeholds, um, basically all types of, um, all types of police like duty and reform were, had been changed. And I think that that's definitely a step in the right direction. And I feel like definitely part of that is due to the widespread audience and due to that, even due to the small things like sharing on Instagram and that stuff. And I feel like, um, I feel like there, it still feels that the change isn't enough though, because even to this day, the amount of daily fatal encounters with police, which is three per day, it still hasn't changed in over a year. And, and I'm kind of wondering if there's still other steps that need to be taken or if something more radical needs to happen. Yes, I agree. I think something else needs to happen or just more change needs to happen because even though it seems like, yes, there are a few steps closer, but 
to be real, police brutality isn't going to stop until the mindset of the police towards certain people, specifically Black and brown minorities, is changed. So really, it's on the mindsets and how they think of certain people that needs to be changed for, like, for police brutality to stop altogether. And do you think there's, like, something you people can do locally like for instance us with an sf is there something that we can do nsf that can help this or does this change have to be a huge national federal like thing i would say in the u.s it definitely needs to change way more feel like it's very high here but definitely definitely like a national thing since it can happen anywhere or it can happen to anyone anywhere since it's it's just very common and another interesting point kind of adding on to this idea of change coming through publicity do you think that this kind of forcing the public to make the police be accountable does that kind of seem like an effective system or should there be something else in place to really hold police accountable i feel like that definitely is an effective system can sense um like if it say in some situations if it doesn't reach the media then it's not going to be known by everyone and people aren't going to actually like start pressing the issue hard enough unless it's on media as sad as it is it, the media is a very powerful platform so if it's on there it stays there and everyone's going to see it and everyone's going to know about it and that's when action will really start to be taken mm -hmm. this kind of adds to another research, another piece of information that is important to this is these the police and kind of after committing these crimes it's almost kind of like a theater, what they do. They basically, um, what they try and do is they try and delay the process of like going to actually court as long as they can. Things like not providing enough information or like waiting to like turn in their, their dash footage or whatever. All of this stuff kind of adds to that because um, the system is so kind of messed up because having the need for something to go viral in order to actually like cause any change, it's kind of ineffective and police are able to use that to their advantage. And I think that there definitely needs to be some sort of system for um, some reliable way of really um, expressing what actually happened, like a real method of documentation within the police system. So I think that's one really great change that could be made. I think another thing that could also happen is some sort of maybe reform within the police department in terms of learning how to deal with, literally learning how to deal with people and learning how to deescalate. I think that would also be another great way to kind of overcome this. I guess it kind of, it seems obvious, but like shooting and like even chokeholds to be the last thing. It shouldn't be the immediate. And I feel like that's kind of the case with a lot of these stories that we hear of. It's all kind of the same. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I agree. And I think that the police get away with a lot of things. And especially with reported or not very much action is taken from it. Like the officer will maybe get put off job for a month or so and then be right back regular. But nothing really after that happens. They don't really get any consequences. But I think teaching or like having a, um, a class of how to deal with certain situations instead of resorting to violence or for example, like the chokehold or something of that sort. And another interesting point is since the police system feels so flawed and it feels like there is such a discriminatory history rooted within the system, a very, well, a very, I guess a big take has been recently has been to maybe abolish that police force and maybe try something, try a different form of public safety. And I'm kind of wondering what your thoughts are on this because it's a very, it's a very uh, radical kind of idea. Well, I don't think that having a different form of public safety is really like a, a thought, but I do think that there should be some some stuff that is limited to police officers, like like just like when using your weapon and stuff, because it seems to be an excuse for a lot of officers to say like they thought it was their taser or something. Just I think there should be like a restriction when coming to like a weapon, like they should only have like a taser on them rather than a gun, for some. And if it's, it's a situation like where they need a weapon, they could call backup or something that for police that do have weapons. Yeah, I definitely think that the idea of abolishing the police system seems very, I don't think it, I don't know if it would work or at least not in the current kind of world that we are in now, but I definitely think the idea of having some different form of public safety would be a great way, just having local, like having more local reform rather than, I guess, I think that would be the most effective way. Having like police from the area they are, they live in, I think that makes the most sense because then you actually have a, you actually have a feeling of like local and public safety that you have. It's not just, you're not just there and you don't just, you don't know anyone, so. I think that would be an interesting thing. I strongly agree. And I think that more police should work in like their community or whatever if they are officers, because I think then they'll be more, they'll be more familiar with the community, with the people, with the area and not so much like feared or have the, the feeling of fear towards certain people. So I agree with what you and when we're talking about police violence, it's almost impossible not to talk about guns and how they have an obvious effect on all of these fatal encounters. Almost all of fatal encounters with police, a lot of them have to deal with guns and shootings. So I think, is there any alternative for guns or is it 
a necessity for all police to carry them? I don't think it'll be a necessity for all for all police to carry them. I think that just a taser should be enough. But you know, like I said, if this if a situation where um, someone has a gun against a police officer, you know, they they could call backup or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely think a lot of these scenarios that we're seeing, like Elijah or George Floyd, a lot of them it's there were like three to four policemen and it's just one person and it seems kind of crazy that any escalation actually needs to happen and also seems kind of crazy when you hear like they were resisting arrest kind of claim which you hear basically all the time it seems like there needs to be some maybe more effective way because it seems like guns are too easy to use in a way either to scare or just to have so yeah i definitely agree having like tasers or even just being more equipped in like physical combat and understanding how to like i don't want to use the word restrain but because that kind of feels like going right back to chokeholds but maybe something similar or something that makes sense. I don't know. I agree with what you have said about how there's usually like three or four officers because I think that the other officers should also like take responsibility to step in and say something just like in the George Floyd case. There were two other officers there and they were just standing there watching it all happen. They could have stepped in and said something or been like this is not like no, this is not okay. You shouldn't be having him in the chokehold. And I think that they, the other officers need to have that responsibility to step in and like, if um, one officer pulls out a gun to say something like, or just do some. Yeah, I also think, um... How do you think police should be held accountable? I mean, one thing I've been thinking about is if you are, if you have like, I feel like the chain of accountability should be actually more severe for a police officer, as in if a police commits an obvious crime, like not like a bad crime, there should be some sort of, I don't want to say punishment, but some sort of, um, I guess, some sort of like, um, I guess reform or punishment that has to occur within the actual like system. Like I feel like somebody above that police officer, somebody who should have been supervising, somebody that should have been training the police should be have some accountability to that. And I feel like, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Should maybe like the head of a department take some responsibility for their police's actions? I think maybe they should, but also they shouldn't to an extent. Because maybe just like you can't really change how a person thinks, you know, obviously just. I don't know if as far as as far as training how to be a police officer, yes, but when it comes to a person and how they think you can't really change how they think and you can't you can't 
change their actions because their actions they're not going to like change themselves like that just listening to one person they're going to still be like and act, still be them and act how they act no matter what because they think how, however they're thinking they think that what they're doing is okay mm-hmm. you can't really change that because at the end of the day they're still going to be thinking like that do you think then this issue of police brutality will go away over time or is it something that we still have to keep pushing for and it might or might not change? Um, we're, we're, we're slowly changing. We're slowly changing. Of course, you know, like I said, people are gonna think how they wanna think, you know, and it's going to be hard to change people's minds, you know, but I think we're slowly changing with how things are handled when it comes to these situations and uh, the consequences of them. Because even now, if you see a situation like police brutality today, you know, instead of just being fired or put on leave without pay, they're they're going to trial and they're being sent to jail now. And it's, it's, it's a slow change, but it's getting rigged in there. And now, so police brutality as a whole, it's often very focused on these shootings or the physical and just the obvious signs of police brutality. But I'm wondering, is there a lot that goes on that isn't really caught on our radar, like harassment or um, minor things that need to be talked about? Or is it only the most important things that should be dealt with first? Oh, for sure, for sure. Um... For sure, there's like there's 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 stuff that people aren't really talking about as much, you know. Aside from the shootings and stuff, like racial profiling, like it happens. It happens every day. It can happen to any age, really. Like from from kids in a store to to a adult on the street, just it can it can happen. Yeah, that kind of goes back to the like viral accountability. Police are only held accountable if the whole public knows. And it kind of goes back to the, the three to four police officers where clearly like in the video where George Floyd was killed, there were two or three of them that were basically not doing anything. They were just standing there and pushing people away and they were not even acknowledging what was going on. And it kind of goes, that in itself is also kind of another like form of police brutality. It's almost like silencing. It's kind of like, there it's it feels more like a military than a police it kind of seems like they're at war with everyone around them rather than like they're there to protect people in a way and i think that that in itself is kind of like a weird kind of stigma that kind of happens and maybe it kind of that also kind of goes back to the police need to be like more local they need to be where they're from because then that kind of is a natural sense of community. So that's definitely something that happens. And I can agree with you on that. And I can definitely say that um, to me, it seemed like, you know, about what you said about them pushing away the people, it seemed like they were more worried about people recording with their phones and getting on social media rather than a man's life that was in their hands. Like they were just, they were more scared that 
the people recording it was going to go to the the media it was going to go to their boss or something rather than the fact that they had a man on the ground that was losing air and about to die mm -hmm. yeah another point that you can mix that is kind of this idea of diversity within the police force does having the stereotypical like white male police officer does that have an effect on what they will do or maybe does having more women or people of color or maybe even immigrant police force does that add to that kind of more community feel or does that will that help this kind of topic i feel like it could and it couldn't since some people can see where you know civilians are coming from if they do some things like say minor things like stealing or something you know some officers can see that you know maybe maybe they're stealing for a cause for their family or something you know in other situations too i agree and i think having more police of color or women like they could feel for the other person and they know they know not their situation but like they won't just stereotype the person like they'll if that makes sense uh -huh. yeah i mean it all comes down to that the majority of these cases that we're seeing are white men basically murdering people of color or and it's like this is kind of that trend that keeps going and i also feel like having more people of color more women in the police force would i think that would help i could think it just adds not it's not even like a connection between the police and whoever is like committing a crime it's just like it adds that sense of community within the police force i feel like once like a traditionally white police force is then introduced to more people of color, more women, it just kind of adds to more community and more like assurance even within the police. And I think that kind of adds to how they would then act like on, when they're on duty. So I think that that would definitely be something that would help the police force and help this cause of police brutality. And I think like, kind of one final question would be um how has covid really impacted this and do you think that um if there is any impact has it kind of slowed down or like how has that really played a role i think that there wasn't so much of an effect because of covid maybe that if covid wasn't going on that maybe the protests could have been bigger, but I feel like overall, everybody like who participated, most of them had a mask and there was a really huge turnout. So I think there wasn't that much of an effect on specifically the protests. Mm -hmm. uh, Masai, you have any thoughts on that? Um, well, I definitely do agree with Mariana and what she said. I don't think that COVID would have changed anything, though, since, you know, this has been happening for years. You know, it's just 
police brutality has been an ongoing thing for a long time and only now now it's just like more people are coming together to protest about it and say something about it now and now that it's on social media it's bigger and it's just more known mm-hmm. well thank you guys for listening to our podcast on police brutality and we hope to see you in the next one and again i'm your host or i'm one of your hosts ishan and so we thank you i'm mariana thank you for listening and i'm messiah thank you for joining us